See, he asked Kenny, he said, are you all right? Are you okay? Yeah, now he's going to make us think he grew a conscience. Man, I, I'm enjoying this, but I, I feel like there's something missing still. Maybe I should just go to... Oh, the Young Bucks! The Young Bucks pulled a trigger! Oh my god! Did, did they just... No, they... The Young Bucks have threw their lot in with Kenny Omega and Don Callis. This is despicable and disgusting. So, if... If the Young Bucks are with Kenny Omega, and they, they just superkicked John Moxley, then... And that means Hangman Page was right. Oh, did you think I was going to talk about the heel turn? F no, that should have happened f ages ago. On this week's episode of the Wrestling with Fiction podcast, we'll be discussing: Are they good bucks? Are they old bucks? They're the young bucks. One of my thoughts on their current tag team title reign, who should take the titles off of them, and where on earth will they go next? So for now, tell your friends, tell your friendliest friends, tell them all about this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast! Ladies, gentlemen, and ladies, gentlemen, my Fictional friends, welcome to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. The podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. My name's Connor, and on a bonus point, we all stand Hangman Page in this moment because he is now officially the good guy, and I am so happy for him, my anxious millennial cowboy is not the bad guy, it's just the rest of them. <laughs> and as selfish as that is, I, I I, can't be happier, which is why we are talking about the Young Bucks, because if you didn't watch Dynamite this week, they are fully committed to being heels now. They got rid of their Marty Chinetti tassels. What, what heels? What heels? They got rid of their flashy colours. They got their expensive... $7,000 shoes. Great. They can super kick you with million dollar man money. <laughs> Why? No. <laughs> Either way, if this is your first time listening, if this is your second, third, fourth, fifth, I'm, I'm going to ask this very quickly. Help, help me out here. If you enjoy this podcast in whatever form or fashion, share it with your friends. Share it with your friendliest friends. Hit subscribe, do all these random things. I'm trying to get better at plugging. Is it working? I hope so. Anyways, with my hopeless shilling out the way, the Young Bucks. I'm I'm very curious to see where they go in the coming weeks, which is why this episode is currently about. They've just recently turned heel, as already mentioned. They're still tag team champions. And now that they've turned heel, there's a, there's a whole plethora of... Tag teams from NWA, Impact Wrestling, New Japan. You can't see me doing this, but I'm doing a weird wave as I'm talking about this. And All Elite Wrestling Stars. <laughs> oh, God, the things I do. The things I do. I'm very sorry. Either way, those are the big, multi, big money matches. And I'm I'm very curious to see where they go. Uh, prerequisite to this... I'm, I'm just going to mention this now when I'm pitching these storylines. There is going to be no Gorillas of Destiny. That might be a possibility because Bullet Club. I, I'm not really thinking about that. I'm currently thinking about what could be a likely possibility. Or at least I think it could be. And I think there's a ton for like the Young Bucks and their new heel character. It's still very fresh, so directions are kind of endless for people like me. And... I'm I'm very much looking forward to this, so I'm I'm gonna stop with all the random talking. And we're gonna get on to the first part of this, which, in case you've never been here before, is a little segment I like to call the tagline. And for all of those super kick party fans who may have just turned in here, or if you're a new viewer, the tagline is basically my 30-word summary, kind of describing what I plan to do with the wrestlers or wrestlers of the week. Think of it like a 30 word summary that you'd see on Netflix when you're just kind of scrolling through channels or 
if you're a little bit older, maybe once you were going through TV guides. I don't know. I don't know my audience. <laughs> Anyways, with that out of the way, it's time for me to explain my process. So, without further ado, I believe it's time for me to ask the editor of this podcast, that is basically myself, to cue the music, future me! So, let's let's just quickly establish some stuff here. Unlike a lot of these tagline stuff, we usually only really have the history of the wrestlers in one particular company. That was the case of someone like Eddie Kingston, where we mostly used that history. We had the history of Pac with the... Well, it was just mainly his AEW career, but we also brought up some stuff with his WWE stuff. The Young Bucks? Their whole current storyline is based purely off of New Japan history. And more of their modern, real-life events becoming EVPs. Something that has ironically made them the thing that they've despised. Basically, they've taken in basically the role that I think they kind of feared from initially asking to change the business, change the wrestling world. If you really look at it, the Young Bucks' characters are basically Triple H, but still relatively active as wrestlers. It's the same with Kenny Omega. It's the same with... I, I keep... I, my first thought was Don Callis, but it isn't Don Callis. It's also with the Young Bucks and Cody and all the other EVPs in the company. So, with that said, why not you know, really lean into that. Like, we've already started to see that with the Young Bucks, with their whole current change and demeanor, like their whole, like, new attire they've got, that gets rid of all the bright colors of their old Young Bucks attire. They got rid of the tassels as discussed before, which, whilst joking, it is a relatively big change for them. Which is why this tagline for this week is... Turning to the dark side... Two Christian boys return to their roots to reclaim the goal that they've never been able to do. Change the world. Now, that may sound a little contradictory to what I've just previously stated. But the whole thing that turned the Young Bucks in the first place was the influence of Don Callis. And him psychologically reverting the people who he involves back to their previous incarnations. Kenny Omega's became this sort of demented, obsessed person obsessed with changing the world and becoming, in his own words, a god. Gallows and Anderson. They've gone back from their previous WWE run to being just people who are obsessed with their peepees. I'm, I'm sorry if that sounded wrong. I need to keep this PG to an extent. <laughs> Along with that, the Young Bucks have basically just gone back to feeling like they constantly need to prove themselves. And, you know, have this sense of aggression about them they didn't really have in their babyface run. And with that, that's kind of the basis of what I want to take. I want to take this kind of, what if the Young Bucks still want to change the wrestling world, but now they've gone mad with power. So with that in mind, I think it's time that we get to our very first pitch. And to put it simply... They're gonna need to go for a ride. First class top flight, that is! Yes, top flight. Darius Martin and Dante Martin. I nearly forgot the other person's name. Thank God! Okay. Yes. The people who got inspired by the Young Bucks. That's the whole character that we've basically been introduced to. And honestly, it's kind of one of the few things that makes the most sense that you put them in a tag title feud with. And how does this all come about, you may ask? Well, pretty simply, actually. So you guys remember at the beginning of AEW when Private Party picked up a incredibly lucky win against the Young Bucks? Yeah, we're, we're going to do that again. Except it's top flight. Because, quite simply, Top Flight, in their intro promo package for their very first match with the Young Bucks, 
They simply stated that if they can beat the Young Bucks, the world is basically limitless for them. So, we're going to take that quite literally. And because it's very rare to see champions get pinned, we're going to use that to our advantage. I think if you want some, you know, historical relevance and maybe just a nice little poetic justice, you have the Young Bucks basically losing the exact same finish that cost him the initial inaugural tag team titles. Which was basically where the Young Bucks were going for the Meltzer driver, Matt Jackson was uh, hit off the apron, no it was Nick Jackson who was hit off the apron, and the person taking the Meltzer driver, I think it was Mark Quinn at the time, basically got rolled up Matt Jackson for the win. So we're basically going to take that finish, recycle it, except this time, yeah, the Unbugs aren't going to take it that well. Not well at all. They just beat the living S-word out of them. In fact, they they call in uh, Gallows and Anderson to sort of like hold them down as they just start like beating them up with punches and kicks. Uh, they start quite literally throwing money at them just to hit like forearms at them. And they they basically, Gallows and Anderson, they, they hold him back. They hold both of them back as they're both, they're both like trying to fight back, but it isn't really working that well. And Matt Jackson basically gets on the microphone and he he basically says that you, you wanted to be us. You wanted to be us. You, you can never be us. We're the young bucks. No matter what error it is, we will never die because we are gods of pro wrestling. And he gets in close to Dante and uh, Darius, of course. And he he spouts a line that is very reminiscent to a other authority figure. Where he states that, I brought you into this world and I can kick you out of it. Playing off, you know, the video package once again, which talked about Darius sending a DM to Matt Jackson asking if they could get an opportunity at AEW to shooting their shot. And just kind of using it against them. So, basically, they're held back there. And they're basically, the way that I envision it, if we're looking at staging, we've got Carl Anderson holding back Darius on one end, and Carl Anderson holding back Dante on the other. And... Basically, one at a time, they just basically super kick them in front of their own partners just to kind of like really dig it into them. Because remember, the Young Bucks in this heel state want to prove that they are the best tag team in the world. So why on earth would they not have the other tag team partner see it before they're knocked out themselves? I think that's a very fun kind of twist on the whole, like, super kicking everyone and beating people up, really sending a message to them. And, of course, it ends with a super kick themselves. And then we move on to the next segment, which would probably be within a week or two weeks because of the way AEW does stuff. And it's a live interview with Tony Schiavone on the stage ramp because... I feel like Tony Schiavone should not just be introducing It's Sting! As much as I do love him shouting It's Sting! We need more people. So, <laughs> we have essentially Matt and Nick Jackson basically cutting a promo saying that, you know, they feel like the weight has been lifted off them shoulders. Trying to change the world in such a rigid way. It just didn't work for them. And Don Callis and Kenny Omega showed them the error of their ways. And Tony Schiavone asks, well, who are your next challenges going to be? And the Young Bucks say, well, challenges? Who who on earth could actually step up to us? And Tony Schiavone quickly brings up just the fact that Top Flight beat them like two weeks ago. And the Young Bucks... They, they they pretty much just bash off the question and advertise for next week a six-man tag team match. It is the Elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus a very interesting team, which I'm surprised with the way that the stories are going could be an interesting direction. 
we have against the TNT champion Darby Allen, Sting, and Lance Archer. Because that sounds like a fun main event, and at least with it, you have Sting in a physical in-ring capacity. And you don't have to constantly treat him like he's an attraction walking in and out. That's, that's my main criticism with Sting, and I think you can rectify it here. And it adds in with the whole Lance Archer story being like, Why am I never in the main event? Grrr. And, of course, Darby Allen because he's TNT champion. Respect to that. Face of the network. So we move on to that. Next week. And just to brush off on all the details and not leave you here too long. Yeah. Uh, out of nowhere, Darby gets a lucky pin on Kenny Omega. The TNT champion has been the World Heavyweight Champion via just Lance Archer and Sting pretty much taking out the Young Bucks partway through the match just being like, anything you can do, I can do better. That whole dynamic that we've been having build up throughout the past few weeks, that happens and because of that lucky pin, Kenny Omega hits a V-trigger on Darby and there's, there's chaos ensuing. Uh, the tag team of Sting. And Lance Archer and all these other people are all kind of in a chaotic state. Uh, all this stuff is happening. The Young Bucks, essentially, with orders from Kenny Omega, are asked to just bring him to, like, the announce table desk so that they can just throw him off the stage. And as that happens, from the heavens, or just specifically the scaffolding in which Darby fell off on this week's episode of Dynamite, is Dante... And Darius Martin coming out from the skies, top flight, risking their lives to attack the Young Bucks. Chaos ensues further, and the final visual image we have is Darby Allen holding up the world title, the TNT Championship, and Darius and Dante alongside them holding up the tag team titles. And then, it is officially set for double or nothing. It's going to be... Top Flight versus the Young Bucks. The match stipulation undecided. And what does this do, essentially? I know it seems odd to have Darby in that kind of position, but I think that would be interesting, you know? TNT Champion trying to save the world. you got to freshen up some Kenny Omega opponents, you know? And with the case of Top Flight and the Young Bucks, it adds a lot of interesting dynamics, I think, with that whole thing. And... The idea of facing your heroes and your heroes not quite being what they're meant to be, that's a very common trope in storytelling, and it's one that kind of defines who Top Flight are, and we'll get to what happens next with them, as the next week, we have Top Flight essentially asking for a match stipulation, and of course the Young Bucks, they're, they're too prideful in this situation. They are... By proxy the god of pro wrestling in the tag team division. And so they make the demand themselves. The Young Bucks want to face Top Flight and end their stupid dreams of being exactly like them in a ladder match. The matches that have defined the Young Bucks' careers, the ones against Matt and Jeff Hardy, the ones against the Lucha Bros, so on and so forth, against this up-and-coming talent who believes that they can be the next big tag team. That's set up. And the next week, we have basically an eight-man... Not an eight-man tag, sorry. A six-man tag team match. No, it isn't a six-man tag. Jesus, I'm... Ah! My mind! It's not that. This actually gets to a point... I, I went... I skipped ahead. God damn it. I skipped ahead. Where, as this is happening... And they're looking like they're about to shake hands. The Young Bucks basically low blow top flight. The Good Brothers come out. They start assaulting them. And it feels like nobody's coming out to, to help out top flight. All hope is lost. Until. Well. To put it simply. A tag team of the Young Bucks' past comes into present. The Motor City Machine Guns. The Motor City Machine Guns come out because the Impact deal is still a thing. Come out and save Top Flight. You get this really cool, like, thing where they have their heroes who have met them. 
kind of just like bring them up. And then on the week before the pay-per-view, we have an eight-man tag, Motor City Machine Guns, Top Flight versus the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks. Fun match. I I don't know where you're going to go. I think either way, it's a fun thing to set up the ladder match and you've got potential allies. And then we build to essentially the ladder match itself. And I think you can go either way with it. You can push Top Flight potentially over the moon and maybe have them have a short run in which the Young Bucks win it back quickly, or you just have the Young Bucks win and solidify themselves as one of the best tag teams in the world. I I really like this. I'm not going to lie. I like the brief thing of the Motor City Machine Guns coming in. I like how it expands Top Flight's characters to being more than just fans of the Young Bucks. For me, it also kind of solidifies the Young Bucks as a little bit more deranged in their own sort of mentality. It doesn't just make them, like, the cowardly heels that you kind of see. Like, they actively want to prove that they are the best tag team in the world. And whilst there is an aspect of them kind of being cowardly against the idea of, like, Oh, wait, I don't want to face these people. It's because they actively beat them. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a lot of very cool, interesting things in this idea. And um, moving on from it. A tag team that I definitely think could and should win the tag titles is up next. And to be honest with you, they are, in my opinion, the MVPs of the AEW tag team division. Best friends. I, I'm, I'm serious. I do actually consider them the MVPs of the tag team division. I think they've been some of the most, like, consistent talents in that tag division. And they've had probably the most, I guess, creative and fun tag team matches. Like, you think back to the, you know, the great parking lot brawl with Santana and Ortiz. The recent thing with Arcade Anarchy. They are consistently one of the most entertaining things in the pandemic era of AEW. And they really came in clutch. Like... With the stuff against uh, the Super Bad Death Squad when that was still a thing. Uh, their consistent work with like Jericho and the Inner Circle. Their tag title matches of FTR, Hangman Page and Omega. Like, it's a real like Cinderella story with those guys. And it's a great foil to the Young Bucks' current character. So what is the story going into this you may ask? Well it's very simple. It is the best friends Cinderella story. The fact that they have never won a tag team title in any promotion, yet they've probably gone after the tag titles the most in compared to anyone else in AEW. It's a very simple story, and it starts out how you think. The best friends reach number one in the rankings just through hard work, determination, and they're up against the Young Bucks. Tag team title match, we're going to say, at a special event. And the Young Bucks, in the build-up to this, are really emphasizing to the best friends that... Do you do you really think you're going to win this? Let's be real here. Guys, we know that you're good. But... You're not... Championship material. You know, I, I hear in some other companies, they may call you... B-plus players... And of course, that just sets off, like, best friends to an extent. I, I think mostly Trent and Chucky. I just imagine Orange Cassidy just there giving a thumbs up, and Chris Statlander's just like, oh, he, he means business. <laughs> and, you know, we get a couple of promo packages building up to it, and it's basically just trying to, like, best friends type of humor to stuff where it's like, oh, they're called the Young Bucks, but they're not young anymore. They're like in their mid-30s, right? Are they young now? Just complete opposite of, like, the Young Bucks' more serious demeanor. The fact that time is money. Everything they're doing is should be important and relevant because they're the Young Bucks. And... Yeah, we. I imagine that they get the special entrance with Sue's mom. I, I just like the idea of, like, Sue's mom's minivan, like, coming in. 
you have like Chucky and Trent in the back seat, and you have Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander sitting on top. <laughs> so it's just like an ever like continuing. <laughs> it's an ever continuing thing as they get more people into their like weird mixture of a team. Like the way that I think of best friends. This is going off topic. The way that I think of best friends are like they are the WWE, not the WWE, AEW equivalent of Scooby Doo. Just from like the members that they have, the fact that they always get into like the weirdest, wackiest storylines for like tag teams, where it was literally like, oh, they made fun of my mom's car. They broke the car. Now we're gonna fight you in a parking lot, or. Uh, Charles is going to become a butler, and we're going to crash your wedding. <laughs> like, if you really think about it, they've had some of the most, like, random sporadic storylines compared to, like, any other tag team in this company. So, with it, this is a chance to really show them as more serious threats. You have the Young Bucks in there, trying to get over more of their heel character. I imagine that they, like, steal the sunglasses off of Orange Cassidy... Uh, I I think there could be a very fun spot with like the young bucks, uh, you know, super kicking Chuck Taylor or Trent as they're about to go in for the hug, so you can get some more heel heat. And as this all happens, and it looks like the best friends are about to win, you're gonna hate me for this. DQ finish. The young bucks or Nick Jackson gets a belt, hits Chucky or Trent. And we get a DQ finish. Why a DQ finish, you may ask? Very simply, there isn't many DQ finishes in AEW. It's very rare that you get a DQ finish. And if you want to really solidify the Young Bucks' heels, you're not going to like it, but having them like break the rules intentionally... That's that's gonna get a lot of hate, particularly considering how AEW books wrestlers as having like finishes that are incredibly definitive. Having just the hint of like cheating that like costs people matches and saying, Oh yeah, they can't fight us anymore. They're done. It it just not only does it add to the whole best friend story of being like we've never won the tag titles, it also just kinda adds to the young bucks just becoming more despicable. Because that's really what Bullet Club was when they went to Japan. It was literally just cheating and more cheating and more cheating. It didn't matter if there were DQ finishes. They just did what they wanted. And that's kind of the same thing that we need here if you want to get that type of idea together. I mean, moving on from that, the rest of the story is pretty much just best friends trying to you know, work from underneath, starting from the bottom again and working their way up. Because they had their shot at the titles. The Unbox aren't just going to give it to them easily. Like, they're, they're some of the EVPs, along with Kenny Omega. They have some power over the rankings. And it, it's just like the whole system is going against the best friends. They're, they're being forced to face Gallows and Anderson in a hardcore match. Uh, not f- hardcore match. Falls count anywhere. I keep on saying hardcore by accident. Uh, they're having matches against uh, the Factory, Nick Kamaroto and Anthony Agogo, who are just battering bruisers. Heck, they just sold Anthony Agogo like punching someone in the gut as being a finish stopper. Like, they just keep on putting the best friends in these situations where they have to fight from underneath just to get a shot of the tag team titles. Make those belts feel special. And so, when they finally earn, essentially, a shot, the Young Bucks still refuse. They're still saying, like, oh, you don't deserve it. You you guys worked hard, but you didn't work hard like we did. We built a company to earn these belts. We gave people jobs just so that we could be solidified as the greatest tag team in professional wrestling. You guys were a generation too late. And of course, Chuck Taylor Trent says, you mean like generation me? Just snapping. I just like the idea of them just still kind of like cracking jokes. And with it, Tony Khan finally comes in because 
I I kind of want Tony Khan partially involved in this story, like he was in Elevation. Because why wouldn't he be? Like, if you're having three of your four executive vice presidents essentially running roughshod over your company, why wouldn't you become partially a bit of an authority figure here and say, just specifically, you can't do that anymore. That's it. The best friends have earned their shot. And you know how they're going to have it? And the young boys are like, what do you mean? You can't force this. And Tony Khan's is like, yeah, I can. And you know how it's going to be done? In a steel cage. Young Bucks versus best friends. No outside interference. Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander, they come, come in. Good Brothers, Kenny Omega, Don Callis, they can't come in. It's just them inside of a cage, fighting for their lives. And with it, it's very simple. I think, personally for me, I I would want to see Best Friends win that idea. Purely as just like a nice feel-good moment. There's another per- There's another team that I'll talk about literally in the next pitch, but I think that would be a very fun thing. And I think it would really just pay off all the hard work that they've put in for the company. Like, I I do generally believe that they should be leading the tag division at some point. Like, if... It, 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 it still baffles me to an extent that we still haven't had them, like... You know, win gold, considering how many storylines the group has been in as a whole. Like, Orange Cassidy had the huge thing with Chris Jericho. Best Friends had this whole thing with, uh, you know, Santana and Ortiz. Uh, Superbad Death Squad. Uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. And, you know, even the stuff we've just been talking about now. There's, there's a whole bunch of things, and I think putting that in... Solidifying the Young Bucks, here's more heels, just like abusing their power. I I think that's a very fun thing, and I know I mostly went on like a huge tangent for best friends. But I think it really, that's kind of what you need to do with the Young Bucks at this point. If you put them in the center spotlight, we've seen it already happen with a babyface run. With the Young Bucks as heels, it isn't necessarily about them being the be-all and end-all of a tag team division. It's about them just demanding the attention they feel they deserve. And the way to get under their skin in particular would be if you have someone like Best Friends come in and pretty much just overshadow them in this regard. And that's partially the reason why this whole thing kind of sounds like it's a whole Best Friends storyline rather than the Young Bucks, because it's another case of the Young Bucks characters being overshadowed because of critics or believing that they are not the best tag team in the world because, well, they did too many flips or the characters are too crude. This is just another example of that. And with it, I think it's time that we get to the final pitch of this personal idea and schmoz. I I really am curious to see what you can do with the Young Bucks if you don't want to have them lose the titles to best friends. Or maybe you want them to lose the belts to someone who will bring order to the AEW. Not to the AEW. To the AEW. No. They will bring order from the darkness to the light. Because they are the definitive order of AEW. The Dark Order. Well, more specifically, Dark Order members John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Now, this one, at least the ending, has the potential to probably be the most emotional. So, the way that I view this happening is that it is the build-up of Alex Reynolds and John Silver versus the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team titles at All Out. Which, it's it's quite an emotional pay-per-view if we're going with, in my head, part of the card would involve Hangman Page versus Omega for the world title, and you have Silver and Reynolds versus the Young Bucks. And this is probably the one that I think is the most realistic to happen. 
because All Out has a lot of emotional significance to the Dark Order and Hangman page itself. Hangman is incredibly unlucky at this pay-per-view. The first time he wrestled there, he lost at his shot to be the inaugural world champion. The second time, he lost his best friend to the dark side, or at least the beginning of it. And for the Dark Order, this is a significant pay-per-view because it's the last pay-per-view that Brody Lee wrestled on before he passed away. And it's actually making me kind of tear up a little bit. (laughs) And whilst I love the idea of best friends, like, hugging it out with the titles together, this this feels like something that would AEW would definitely do. And I feel like they would potentially bring this stuff up. And so how does this story come together? So the Young Bucks, their whole thing at this point is, as we've already discussed, they're trying to change the world. And the only way they can change the world is if they get rid of people who, you know, attempt to get in their way. And people who've been doing it for several years, like the Dark Order, who years before they decided to turn, attacked them during the, I think, believe it was the episode before Christmas. We all, we all know the botch. We all know it. The guy, like, failing to punch him. That stuff. And basically, the Young Bucks start cutting this promo on the Dark Order, saying that you, you support... Uh, anxious, alcoholic, millennial cowboy. And you lost yourselves in your own stupid little fantasies about changing the world. But you can't change the world. Look at you guys. You're worthless goofballs without your own leader. Us, we are independent. We are the greatest tag team in sports entertainment. Not sports entertainment. We are the greatest tag team in AEW, in the wrestling world. And you guys, you're the jokes of the tag team division. You are the jokes of the singles division. You, are you, should you even be called the Dark Order? And of course the Dark Order come out. We all know their intentions. They're, they're doing this for Brody Lee. They're, they're raising negative one. And... In this whole exchange, we are reminded at this point, because in my head, Silver and Reynolds were in the top five before John Silver got injured. And so, they, in this attempt of a story, start racking up wins. So eventually, they're in that top five, and they're considered the number one contenders. Now, at this point, the Young Bucks do not want anything to do with the Dark Order. Them, as characters... They they are the antithesis of, like, everything great about professional wrestling. The Young Bucks believe that they are themselves. They they forged a revolution. They, they went double or nothing. And they went all out to show that they were the greatest tag team in the wrestling world. And all these other tag teams, like the Dark Order, they, they hitched on their coattails. And so, they... They make a, a demand to the Dark Order. If the Dark Order wants to face the Young Bucks at All Out, well, you, you're not allowed to lose. At all. From this point forward. Because the story goes from here. The Young Bucks pretty much make an ultimatum for John Silver and Alex Reynolds and the rest of the Dark Order. If any of you lose in the build-up to Build up to, rev- not revolution, all out. One of you will be fired each time you guys lose. Because what more despicable way could you get the Dark Order numbers out and get away probably one of the most organically goofy and entertaining acts if you watch Being the Elite off of television. And to do this, and of course Tony Khan is coming in thinking, what are you doing? You can't do that. And they're both saying, we're executive vice presidents, along with Kenny Omega. You you can't control us here, Tony. We have all of the power. And they basically tried to bargain with Tony Khan, saying that 
We won't wrestle on this show unless you meet our demands. Tony Khan eventually agrees. And from this point on, the Dark Order is just completely stacked against them. They're, they're put against, like, handicap matches, like, against the Hardy family office, uh, matches against themselves at some point, you know, in the build-up to the pay-per-view. And they are forced, little by little, to essentially lose members. You, you first see Five go, which is the big one, because he's the guy that everyone dislikes. Uh, you see Ten go... You see Stu go, you see Colt go, and the one that hurts most to Silver and Reynolds, they see Evil Uno go. The guy who brought them into the Dark Order and promised them change when everything was going wrong. I think people seem to forget that John Silver has the fastest losing record in a match, because he lost to John Moxley in about six seconds. This whole thing, and you just see the Young Bucks looking on. As they head to like where the Dark Order do their promo segments just to, you know, do a sarcastic wave goodbye and just say welcome to the indies. <laughs> like that's, that for me, that feels like such a big departure to the Young Bucks that it's almost too perfect not to have. Where they're, they're not wrestling matches in prepping to this because they think they're too valuable for this. Whilst the Dark Order is losing members left and right because of a thing that they're unable to control. And you just see them all going. And the Young Bucks just sarcastically waving. And keeping their eyes dead, dead set on Silver and Reynolds. The guys who up until, you know, a match with Cody and Matt Cardona were the losers of the Dark Order. And now, in order to keep the memory alive and bring back the entire group, they have to be the people who, you know, pulled them on a string for the longest time when they were begging for an opportunity. Going from city to city, being seen on the card as local enhancement talent. I think there's something very poetically appropriate there that you can have there. And just build up that rage with John Silver that we've seen when he can have a hot tag. And we build to All Out. Where the visual is for the big, like, opening graphics. It's Hangman with the with Silver and Reynolds behind him. And I can just imagine it as the poster being, like, the... You know the classic, like, face-off type of thing? Where both are looking at each other from opposite sides. You have that with Silver and Reynolds, with Hangman Page by him, and you have it with Omega, along with the Young Bucks. It's I I think that sounds really cool. I'm I'm getting very I'm very excited for it. <laughs> I I want it so bad. I want it so bad. <laughs> like oh, and then of course you have the match. You're gonna have some interference because why wouldn't you? It's going to be the Young Bucks, you know, really embracing that heelish side. Maybe they, they throw papers at Silver and Reynolds just to, like, mock them. You know, to really emphasize how much of a joke they are, but at the same time insult the group as a whole. Uh, you also have it where Gallows and Anderson, they try and interfere. But the Dark Order all come out in unison, just like, this is your moment, John. Come on, Johnny Hungy, you've got this. Oh, you know, really, really just emphasize the friendship because they they are the complete opposite of the Bucks, Kenny, and the Good Brothers in which they're, they're willing to just let people just, like, get attacked on their own and don't really do anything about it. The Dark Order and Hangman have been this interweaved, connected group. And thematically, even when they're fired in storyline, because they will come back... They're still there to support them, whilst Kenny Omega isn't even there at ringside with them. Even, like, as he's prepping for probably the biggest match of his career with Hangman Page. I'm probably overstating that as the biggest match of his career, but we're sticking with it. I I think it's such a great little story, and you can just end it with the payoff of Silver and Reynolds overcoming all of the odds, both, like, in real life and story-wise. One, two, three, kind of breaking this sort of Dark Order curse. And they win the tag team titles from the Young Bucks. 
And then where do you go there from the young bucks? I don't know. Either way, I'm curious to see what this heel turn for the young bucks will do for them. And to be honest, where they'll go next. Okay. Yeah, that that's the end of the storyline pitches for this week. Except it kind of isn't. So, yeah, this is kind of where the main portion is over. But if you want to stick around, we still have one final segment. It is, of course, the weirdest, wackiest segment whenever I cover a wrestler. It's Fantasy Fumble, everyone. And so, Fantasy Fumble is exactly what you kind of expect. It's a fumble. It's a failure. It's a, I don't quite know where to put this in the podcast. And... I just kind of want to try and see where my improv can go with a wrestler. So, basically, it's within the allotted time of a music track. I will try and create a storyline that is more than likely going to be the weirdest, wackiest, and worst story that I could come up with. (laughs) So, without further ado, Fantasy Fumble will begin in 3, 2, 1, Fumble! Let the dumpster fire begin! Right, so, uh, the the story is, uh, they're they're not young anymore, remember? I think Matt is 36, and I think Nick is 32, so yeah, they're they're not young anymore. They are, they're in the midlife crisis. (laughs) Oh god, I have to go with midlife crisis. So, yes! Basically, the midlife crisis is happening for them. They're, they're struggling to find out their identities now that they've just recently turned heel. Why are they still having the long hair? Why do they still look like they want to be Marty Gennetti ripoffs? What are they doing? What are they doing with the thing? They just have a book. They now have to take care of kids. They have a lot of money. They run a business. What is going on? What is all these sudden responsibilities that they don't know how to handle? So all of a sudden, throughout each of their matches, they're gradually trying different looks. You see, uh, Nick Jackson dye his hair blonde. You see Matt Jackson, you know, trim his beard. And they try to make themselves look just a little bit younger, because don't don't we all have that insecurity about responsibility and fears of other things? That's exactly what's happening to the Young Bucks, and it's affecting their matches. They're defending the tag titles against people like, uh, trying to think of names that are good here, uh, TH2, because they want to be in with the kids like TH2. They, they still love dubstep, right? So they start releasing all of these random remixes for their entrance music where it, it, it's done in dubstep, it's done in rock, it's done in trap. All of these random things make them more hip with the kids. So they, they start also asking people on the heel side who are young. They, they even ask MJF what is cool and they say nothing. You're losers. And as this happens, there are even more questions being put into them. We see more backstage segments of them trying different things. Nick Jackson tries to bring out the merch freak from being the elite to keep himself relevant, but it just isn't working. People aren't subscribing. They're not adding more things. They need to click on the notification bell, but they're not doing it for the merch freak. And as this all happens, they're they're having more matches and they're trying out different things. they're trying like temporary tattoos to see if people like tattoos. It doesn't work for them. They try different things like uh, getting rid of the bandanas, uh, you know, changing the different colors of their stuff. I don't know. That seems interesting. And as this happens, they talk to Kenny, their best friend, who they've kissed on the cheek multiple times. And during this, Kenny tells them, I'm the best bout machine and you're my best friends. In this moment, they start to go back to their old roots. They change their ideas. Oh, f- God damn it! No! Wait, that 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 kind of ended. Cause yeah, you, you have the whole thing of them being told that you're my best friends. It's a cheesy ending, but it's an ending. It's an ending, guys. We got one. It's not as bad as. Oh god, what one was worse? What one was worse? Uh, I mean, I like the Eddie Kingston one with the cookie, but this one... <laughs> the, the, well... Oh, I should have put in that they changed their tag team name. They, they should have went from the Young Bucks to the Mid Bucks, and then the Old Bucks. That, that's what it should have been, so it's like trying to change all... Th- I can't change it now. I can't change it. What, what am I doing? <laughs> Anyways, that that is... 
the end of this episode, if you stuck around and you want to hear me talk, there's, there's a bunch of other episodes. There are things that you might want to check out, like I've I've talked about if uh, the Pokemon trainer could work in the wrestling business, or if the Monster Hunter could work in that. I've even done goddamn Luffy, and even for your wrestling needs, we've covered John Moxley before. Uh, we've covered Hangman Page. Uh, that's a very old episode, but yes, we've covered Hangman Page. I might need to redo that. Uh, anyways, with the shilling out the way, thank you guys for listening. Legitimately. It... I, I don't know what happened, like, how this is like, evolved in this weird scape of things. And it it's amazing that people still listen to me, and I'm forever grateful for that. And in all seriousness, thank you all so much. It, I think generally this podcast has changed my life for the better, to some extent, where it's it, it's allowed me an outlet to talk about wrestling that I I never really had. Like, I tell you the truth, I didn't really grow up with wrestling friends. Like, I, I had one or two occasionally over the years, but not enough to really, like, you know, have, like, consistent friends to talk about wrestling. Like, it always came and went. And, you know, just the, the love and support I've got from you guys in the wrestling community has been amazing. And... If there's anything I could take away from it, it's just, you guys are fantastic, you're amazing, you're, you can truly do anything with the power of the internet, That that's a really cheesy way of saying it, but, yeah, thank you guys so much. And with that, if you guys enjoyed this and you want to know more stuff, or like when new episodes come out, you can follow me on social media stuff, I'm not going to do the plugging again, it's in the description. And with that, I hope all of you have a lovely day. And remember, everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.